Thanks for taking some time to listen to this message on the Elevate Church podcast. We believe that God will speak to you wherever you are. Now, let's prepare our hearts and hear what God has for us today. Um, it's been said that uh, there is approximately, check this out, 7.9 billion people on the planet. That's billion with a B. That's a lot of people. And studies would tell you that out of those 7.9 billion, 2.5 billion claim to be followers of Jesus. And I don't know if that number is true or not. I guess it depends on what definition people use of what a Christian is or is not. But let's just say that it's true, that there are 2.5 billion people that claim Jesus is Lord of their life. They are Christians. So you know what that leaves? That leaves us with roughly 5.4 billion people on this earth. That right now, if everything ended and Jesus came back, that that would leave 5.4 billion people who would spend eternity separate from God. And I say that and nobody flinches. <laughs> like we don't even think about that. You know why? Because here we are sitting in Erie, Pennsylvania, God's country, come on somebody, Erie, Pennsylvania, in the middle of an air-conditioned auditorium and we hear that number 5.4 billion and we think, okay, we can't wrap our minds around what that number looks like, the, the significance of that, that number. That number, 5.4 billion, does not really mess with us all that much. But I submit to you today that it really messed with God. That when I said 5.4 billion, like it, it, it messed with God. In fact, there was a major reaction from God upon hearing that. And I think part of my, my job is to help us keep a right perspective of things. And I understand that that, that number is huge. And because of that number, maybe we can't do it all. But how many of you know all of us can do something? Now, real quick, this is not, yeah, this is not the part of the message, though, that I tell you the story of the little boy and the starfish on the beach. You know what I'm talking about, that story? where the little boy's walking on the beach and there's all these starfish that are stranded on the beach and he's taking them and he's throwing them back one at a time and somebody comes up and says, hey, you're not making, you know, you can't help all these things. What are you doing? Why even bother? He's like, well, it made a difference for that one. You know the story I'm talking about? You aren't gonna hear that story, all right? This is not that story. This is not that church. If that's your jam, I apologize. There's probably a lot of churches that roll that way. In fact, I apologize if you have that story, you know, hanging above your cubicle at the office. This ain't that church. Because my thought is, you know, maybe God put those starfish there for a reason. Maybe there was a flock of birds who were about to go hungry and this little boy came up and he's undoing what God had. This. That little boy might be the Antichrist, all right? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Throwing, nobody ever thinks about that, right? That could have been a blessing from God for those birds. I don't know. I don't know. But, and this is not that church, but I am saying... That, that number, 5.4 billion, is huge. And so I do want to try to illustrate what that looks like for us. And, and I want to maybe connect your hearts and minds to some events that could put it in, in perspective. In fact, one just recently happened. That was Hurricane Ian that hit the coast of Florida and a little north of there. Like there were, it was said, 119 people who lost their lives in that storm. And again, that sounds like a number, but let me, let me put it this way. If you took 119 people and you line them up in this room, like chest to back, chest to back throughout this room, and you imagine it as being more than just a number, but actual people, faces, you know, you look around the room, like people like us, line them up, that line would come from right here, in the middle of the platform, 
It would extend around the walls, around the perimeter of this room, all the way around 119 people, around the perimeter and, and back here. And that'd be roughly 119 people or so. Like if you lined them up, right? So let me, let me attach your heart to another event uh, that we're all familiar with, and that's 9-11. There were 2,997 people who gave their life on that day. And if you would line 2,997 up, chest to back, chest to back in a line, it would extend from this room out the doors down the street about a half a mile and end up somewhere like around Moe's or so. And if it was more than just a number, right? More than just 2,997, but you literally could envision their faces and imagine them, then it might seem a little more, more significant to you. Or how about this one? We're all familiar this, with this one. In the last three years, in the U.S. alone, there have been 1.07 million people who have died of COVID-related like deaths. 1.07 in the last three years. So what does that look like? That looks like if you line people up at the, this stage and put them chest to back, chest to back, the line would go out the doors, it would go down the street, it would go to, on 79, it would get, go to 79, go to 90, it would go to Cleveland. And you turn around in Cleveland and you come back, back to this point and that would be the line. And if you could just imagine, right? It's not just, not just a number, but actual faces, actual people, like lined up, that's how long that line would be of 1.07 million. Does anybody want to guess what 5.4 billion looks like? 5.4 billion. Jordan, can you help me out? Jordan, come up here. Come on, bro. You got some stairs right there. This is Jordan. Everybody welcome Jordan up. Say what's up, Jordan. I'm not going to put you on the spot. I'm not asking you to guess, Jordan, but I am going to ask you to hold this, hold this globe right here. Hold this, hold this globe for me. So 5.4 billion people lined up, chest to back, chest to back, chest to back. It would not go. This is good right here. They're not going to be able to see it that well anyway. Oh, sorry. That's fine. So if it started here in Erie, Pennsylvania, which is somewhere around this thing, it would go all the way to New York. Right, and we know what that drive's like. That's about a six hour you know, or so drive, depending on how fast you go. But it wouldn't stop in New York. It would go, if you had a bridge, you'd have to go across the Atlantic. Hold down a little bit for me. And it would go into, well, this is, this is you know, Northern Africa, Morocco, Algeria, Tunisia, and it would keep going. 5.4 billion would keep going around the globe. You get into the Middle East, into Saudi Arabia, and the line would not stop there. It would keep going in through India and Asia and it would reach all the way to back to the Pacific Ocean. But it would not stop. You'd have to build a bridge from the Pacific Ocean and that would continue around the ocean back to the United States, all the way back to Erie, Pennsylvania right there. 5.4 billion, but can I tell you something? It wouldn't just be one time, it would go again all the way around, if you line them up. And it wasn't just a number, but it was actual people. And you could imagine what that looked like, 5.4. It would go around not once, not twice. And I'm talking about around like the, the thickest part of the world at the equator. Not three times, not four times, not five times, not six times, 
Not seven times. Are you doing okay, Jordan? Not eight, not nine, not ten. In fact, we don't even have time to do this. Do you know how many times around the globe it would be? 40.7 times around the globe. 40.7 if you lined everyone up chest to back. And that's if it ended today. If it ended today, these people would be separate from God for eternity. Thanks, Jordan. I appreciate you, buddy. Thank you. Isn't that crazy? Now, can you imagine it being more than just, just a, a number, just 5.4 billion, right? Sounds like nothing to us, but when you think of it in terms of the significance of it, now, I'm just like you. I did not wake up this morning thinking about, you know, 40.7 lines around the globe. I didn't wake up thinking about that. I, I, I woke up thinking about what you thought about do I have gas in the car? Do I have to stop on the way to church? You know, where am I going to, to eat lunch? You know, kind of thing like that. Those are the things that I, I think about as well. But I submit to you that this is what God's thinking about. That God is constantly thinking about the, the 40.7 lines around the globe. And part of my job is to make sure you and I stay connected to what God's heart is. The, the, the part of this church that, that you need to know that we are passionate about and we will, we will do anything. We will, you know, at all costs, do our part to, to reach the lost in this city and beyond, but also for us to stay connected. Now, I want you to be proud of what you are a part of, but the trick is to, to stay connected, not just of, of what we've done, but how much still needs to be done. Are you with me? Like we need to stay connected to that. In fact, I want 40.7 lines around the globe to haunt you. I really do. I don't want it to be in the forefront of your, your mind, not as just some flippant number, you know, that we throw out there, but I want it to, to focus our efforts and our energies and our passions on who God has called us to be because every single one of the people in those 40.7 line, lines around the globe is a person. It's not just a number but it is an image bearer of God. It's an image bearer of God who he created, by the way. And so it's a person with a, a soul that's going to spend eternity in one of two places. Every person you lock eyes with on this earth is gonna spend eternity in one of two places. And so I want this to, to, to haunt us, for us to drive our thinking. And so here's what I'm asking you to do. Not take a bunch of notes today. I know that, you know, you know, God doesn't, you know, play favorites, you know, and, you know, but I do. And I love the note takers. I'm just saying, I'll throw that out there. But today I don't want you to take notes. I really don't. In fact, I, I don't know if I even want you to open up your Bible. We're going to put some scripture on the screen, but I'm not um, so much wanting to engage your head today as much as I am wanting to engage your heart and want us to feel really what, what God feels about this 5.4 billion people on the planet, this 40.7 lines around the globe. Because honestly, most of humanity doesn't get it. Like we don't, we don't think this way. It's our nature to get focused on ourselves and, and on our needs and what we want, right? In fact, that's why I love the disciples sometimes because they were guys, you know, just like us. 
They had issues. They, they, they were getting things wrong a lot of the time. Jesus didn't pick the best and the brightest to be a part of his team. He just picked some, some regular you know, people who were works in progress. Do I have any works in progress in the house today? Come on, that's me, right? And so we have some issues. And in John chapter 4, Jesus had just finished... This amazing moment with this woman at the well. Maybe you've heard the story before. Jesus was, was talking to a woman at a well, which was scandalous, by the way. You know, as a Jew, you weren't supposed to just kind of hang out with a woman by themselves. And she was a Samaritan, and that was a no-no. But she, he was there with her, and he just kind of read her mail. Told her everything she'd ever done. And then he tells her, hey, I'm the Messiah. And in fact, it's one of the first times that he ever said that. So this is huge. Actually, this is a huge moment where Jesus says, I'm the Messiah. And she runs off to her village and tells everybody she can, hey, I've just met the man who told me everything about me. Could he really be the Messiah? And so there's this huge moment that just happened. And when the disciples come back, all they can do is just be shocked. They're just shocked. And Jesus, you know, that he would sit with this woman, that he would talk to her. In fact, the Bible says, you know, that he, they wouldn't tell Jesus what they were thinking because they were too scared to do it. And then all these people start flooding out of this village to come see this Jesus during this huge moment. I just want you to, to understand the gravity of this moment. But the very next thing, here's what the disciples say. They're like, hey, that's great that you had this, this ministry moment with this woman, you know, at the well. But can we go get something to eat? That's what they're thinking about. Let's get something to eat. And again, like this, this is kind of how, how we are. Like we're, we're thinking about ourselves. We're thinking about, you know, let's, let's get something to eat. It kind of sounds like my boys. If I got any parents in the house today, like I could feed my boys. And then 20 minutes later, they're like, hey, when are we going to eat? And I'm like, you just ate. Like we could be driving out of Chick-fil-A parking lot. And my kids will ask me, when are we going to eat? You just ate. And I'm sorry to mention Chick-fil-A on a Sunday. My apologies. Please accept that. Verse 31, check it out. Here's what happens in John chapter four. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. Let's eat. Let's eat something. Are you hungry? What do you want, Jesus? You want Chipotle? You want five guys? Like, what is it that you, you want to eat? Like, if we leave it up to James today, you know, he's going to pick, you know, the McRib sandwich. And we don't even know what's in the McRib sandwich. So, which I love. I'm not hating on a McRib, all right? Just being honest. Anything with the word rib in it. But he's like, let's, let's, let's eat something. And Jesus seems a little bit offended by the comment because here's how he responds. And, that, and again, I'm praying that you would just get this because how many of you know, sometimes we walk into this room and think, all right, Colby, what do you have for me today? Like my, my marriage is broken or this or that, like is going like, what do you have for me? Okay, preacher man, I got somebody here that calls me preacher man. All right, preacher man, what do you got for me today? Because I need something. I need you to pray for me. I'm going through some things. I feel a little low today. What do you got for me? And if I'm just being honest, most Sundays are about that. Like they really are. They're about what we are dealing with. They're about some, some felt need things in our life. We often say, you know, if you can't apply it on Monday, the Sunday didn't count. And so we want to make it count. We want it to be applicable. However, sometimes we just have to focus on what God's heart is too. And connect with his heart because this is what Jesus said to them. Check it out in verse 32. He says to his disciples, I have a kind of food that you don't even really know about. He's got, I got something else that moves me. I have something else that, that drives me. I have something else that I'm so passionate 
about that you guys, you guys aren't even getting. Verse 33, the disciples said to each other, check it out, did somebody already feed him? Because they're still on food. Did somebody already feed him? He must have eaten already. If he's not hungry, what's going on? See, they're still thinking in the natural. And Jesus is, is talking supernaturally. He's like, man, I got something else. And so Jesus explained it to him. Look at verse 34. How many of you know sometimes you got to explain some stuff? That's what I got some explaining to do. He says this, no, you guys are way off. My food, the thing that moves me and the thing that, that causes me to wake up in the morning, the thing that drives me, you know, isn't what's for lunch. He says, my food is to do the will of God who sent me in finishing the job. Somebody say the job. Finishing the job that he gave me. Well, what's the job he gave you? 40.7 lines around the globe. 5.4 billion people on this planet that if it was all to end today would be lost for an eternity, would be separate from God for eternity. He says, I gotta finish the job that God sent me to, to finish. Verse 35, and you guys keep saying, he's like four months more, four months more than the harvest. He, he, here's how we could say it. You guys keep saying, you know, well, well, when I get around to that, or, you know, that's someone else's job, or let some other missions organization handle that part, the evangelism part, or, or whatever it is, because 5.4 billion, come on, that's a, that's a huge number. In, in essence, that's what they're saying. Jesus said, you keep saying that. It's four, months, four more months and then the harvest. But I'm telling you, what does he say? Wake up and look around. See, every now and then, I, I, I like to bring a series that just causes us to wake up and to look around. Look around the world. Look around at the, the hurting. Look around and, and have our hearts directed towards, towards the hurting and those who have never heard. And making sure that, that those who want to help men are fired up about, about doing all that we can to be a part of helping. Because otherwise we'll get focused in on ourselves and we'll get focused in on what it is that we want for lunch. And we'll, we'll direct our, our energies toward that. In fact, here's what I wrote down in my notes. Most of the time I'm thinking about my hunger. All of the time, God's thinking about the harvest. Most of the time I'm thinking about me and what I want and what I can get, but all of the time. In fact, the Bible says God is patient not wanting anyone to perish. Like he's always thinking about the harvest. And Jesus said, hey, wake up, look around. There is a harvest. The harvest is now. That's what he says. The harvest is right now. Elevate church. So that means there's stuff to do. There's work to be done. And we just need to wake up and look around. You know what I've, I've noticed um, today? I've had to come to grips uh, with the fact that uh, in the past year, my eyesight isn't what it used to be. It's not so good. In fact, I, I pulled these out. I've never worn these before, but just for your viewing pleasure. <laughs> so I went to the doctor and I have two pairs of glasses, by the way. I have ones that help me see far away and ones that help me see close because this boy ain't about to do bifocals. All right, the doctor said, we should get you in some bifocals and I, I, I punched him in the throat. No, I didn't, I didn't do that. <laughs> but, but I did. Here's some of my glasses. All right, see, so you can have it now. Laugh is fine. Yeah, yeah, Make the jokes now, people, whatever. But here's the, here's the glasses. And what I've noticed is that, you know, I, I can't see, you know, that great close up anymore, but I'm really bad at seeing things far away. Like things are, are getting blurred. And the same thing happens with our vision that the further things are away from us, the more disconnected we become to it. 
the more we, we lose focus. And when I take these off, then it's really bad. Isn't that crazy? Like, I can't see half of you. Like, it's, it, we lose focus. Things get blurred from a distance. And I was thinking about how that's just like us, that we're really good at seeing the stuff that impacts us, the stuff that we're close to, my needs, my wants, my, my work, my job, my issues, the things that are in my, my circle. In fact, what if I was to ask you what the, the subject matter was of your last prayer time with God? Chances are it was about you. And I'm not hating on that, so was mine. <laughs> Chances are it was about your stuff and your needs and, and how you needed God to show up in your life and what he could do you know, for you. I'm just saying the tendency for us is to zero in on ourselves. And God's word for us today is we need to wake up and we need to look around and we need to understand the gravity of 5.4 billion people on the planet and the gravity of 40.7 lines around the globe. Like my job today, I feel like I'm just, I'm called to be your, your eye doctor and we're gonna get you into some corrective lenses today, all right? We're gonna slap on some readers and we're gonna go. And so I wanna share with you a very convicting passage of text, at least for me it is. And in the next several weeks, we're going to talk about and read from Luke chapter 15. If you just want to read ahead and look through it, Jesus tells three stories about lost things. A lost coin, a lost son, uh, which is one of the most well-known stories, you know, in the world. Uh, the parable of the, the, the prodigal son. Um, but today I want to talk about the story of the lost sheep. All these stories, by the way, uh, arrive at the same conclusion. Luke 15.1 says this, the tax collectors and the other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. In some translations, the word sinners is in quotations. And the reason it's in quotations is because the Pharisees and the religious elite, elite they would say, you know, those sinners. When, you know, if it were accurate, it would say the tax collectors and all of us. Because how many of you know we're all sinners? We all miss the mark. In fact, that's what sinning means. It doesn't mean you're some wicked, horrible, evil person. It's an archery term and it means you're missing the mark. You're just not hitting the bullseye every time. And I don't know about you, but I don't hit the bullseye every time. And so I, there are areas in my life that I need to, to redirect and re-aim. It says this, that this made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain. They complained. And I think there are a lot of churches that complain. I think there are a lot of, a lot of Christians who, who complain. What do they complain about? Look at it. He says that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. Let me make this current. Hey, I don't really like that church because they're, they're, they're associating with those people. They're focused on the lost people. They're focused on the hurting people. They're, they're hanging out with those, those broken people, with those sinners, when I just really want it to be about me. It says they were complaining. And Jesus said, obviously you guys aren't getting it. So in verse three says, he told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go and search for the one until he finds it? Don't miss that. And he's not giving up on you. Some of you think you're too far gone that God has given up on you. He has not given up on you. Like he will search and search until he finds you. Isn't that good news? Like those of you that feel like you're a million miles from God, 
that God doesn't want anything to do with you, man, he's still searching for you. And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me because I found my lost sheep. And in the same way, he says, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. There are three focuses that I want every one of us to have. And again, I'm just dedicating this weekend to, to the thing that God is interested in the most. We're going to keep it simple. And here's the first thing is that we need to have a correct view of people. That's the first focus. We need to have a correct view of, of people. Like I want to go to a church. I want to pastor a church that just loves people, loves people. I want to be a part of a church that, that loves the city that we live in and loves the people in that city, the people on the street, the people that are hurting, the people who have never heard. Like, I, I, want to, I want to be a part of a church that understands that everybody you lock eyes with is an image bearer of God and that their eternity, you know, is, hangs in the balance and it's not about how good someone is, right? It's not that at the end of your life, hopefully your good outweighs your bad, and that gets you into heaven. No, it's that you made a profession of faith and considered Jesus to be the Lord of your life. And you understood that he took on your penalty. I just want to love people. Are you with me? And so in order to love people right, we need to see people right. See them for who they are. See them for, for where they are. And I want to love, I want to love the 800 kids that we're about to give new snow boots to this week at Piper Burley and Union City School. Is that awesome? And I don't want it to be, we gave 800 pairs of snow boots. I want it to be, we bless 800 kids with names and faces and home lives and family. Are you with me? I want us to love people. I want us to love uh, the woman who two years ago, when we gave boots out at, at a school in Mill Village, who said, hey, I'm so thankful that you would give my child boots because I was deciding on Christmas whether I was gonna buy them boots or a jacket and now I don't have to make that decision. Isn't that awesome? I'm like, you shouldn't have to make it. We're gonna get you a jacket too. Like, let's go, right? And I just want us to love, I want us to love the men that come from the Erie City Mission that are stuck in addiction, that are going through the program, that are, are working the program, the, the guys of the Salvation Army ARC that are working the program, people who come in through these doors with a broken marriage, that are stuck in adultery, and people are like, I'm clapping. Oh, I better not clap that part, right? <laughs> like, I, I want us to love people. That's it. Love the people that for God so, so love. But we can't love people if we don't see them right, if we don't understand if we don't have a correct view of people, how many of you know we can easily have a wrong view of people? Because sometimes people are hard to love. Let's just be honest. And I've been to some churches where they just had a wrong view of people, where you, you could walk through the doors, and although they say that you're welcome there, they sure don't make you feel it. In fact, they make you, it seems like they're talking about you or like, man, dude, get it together. You know, if you want to come back here kind of thing. Like, I don't, that, I don't want to be a part of that church. And can I just tell you, this is not that church. Like, I don't care if when you leave here today, there's this lingering smell of smoke in the room, cigarette smoke or weed, whatever. You know, I don't, it is what it is. Like, I just, I don't care. Like, I want you to come. I want you to have an encounter with God. We're not trying to change those things. We're trying to point you to God who can begin to change some things in your life. Are you with me? Like, I just want to have a right view of, 
of people, of people. And I know that sometimes, you know, people say, well, that's messy. It's a messy way to do church. Yes, it is. But how many of you know, sometimes your, your ministry is born out of the mess. I want people to say, yeah, come on. People to say, you know what? I was stuck in pornography. And so now my heart is to help those that are stuck in pornography. My marriage was broken and busted. And now my goal and my passion is to help people restore their broken and busted marriages. Like sometimes it's messy, but oftentimes you find your mission in the middle of it. But we can't do that if we don't just love people. We need to have a correct view of people. Here's what we also need to have a correct view of is the problem. Like we need to be concerned about what Jesus is concerned about. What's keeping God up in this moment. If I was to ask you, hey, you know, how can I pray for you? Chances are, again, you're like me. You'd give me a list of things that impact you. And it's not that your stuff isn't significant. It's not that God doesn't care about that. But with all due respect, the things that we are going through are nothing compared to the 40.7 lines around the globe. How can you say that? Here's how I can say that. Like, it's, it's not that God doesn't care about your disease and your broken relationships and your addictions. He cares about those so much. But can I tell you something? Your disease, your sickness, your broken relationships, your addictions, those do not keep you out of an, out of an eternity with God. They don't. Like you can, in a moment, you know, confess Jesus as Lord of your life and believe that God raised him from the dead. And your eternity can be secured where one day you will be healed and whole of all of those things in your life. Hopefully on this side of eternity, but if not this side, the next. But you know what? People who don't do that never even have a shot. Like you don't get to heaven based on your, your goodness. It's based on God's, God's goodness and what he's done. So we need to have a correct view of, of the problem correct view of the problem as well. Um, and here's the last one. I'll have the band come, come help me out. And just so we know real quick, the problem isn't, isn't that, you know, that music was too loud. The problem isn't, well, they didn't play the song I wanted to sing. And the problem isn't, you know, they didn't meet my needs today. That's not, that's not the problem. Have you ever noticed sometimes we can make the wrong thing the problem? <laughs> that's not the problem. We need to keep the main thing the main thing. And the main thing is the 40.7 lines around the globe, people who are far from God. And here's the, the last one. If we're gonna have a correct view of the problem, we better have a correct view of the solution. Because this is what Jesus says. He gives us the, the solution in the story that he outlines for us. What did he do? He said, I'll leave. Somebody say leave. And I'll leave. I'll leave because I have a sheep. I got a lot of them, but one's missing. And I'll leave the, the 99 to go after the one, to go, to go seek the one. I will leave. I'm going to leave is what he says. He doesn't say, I'm going to go talk about it, by the way. Hello. He doesn't say, I'm going to form a committee and see how to best do this. He doesn't say, I, I want to waste time in a holy huddle. And he doesn't even say, I'm going to pray about going to find that, that lost sheep. And this might mess up some, some of your theology in the room. You don't have to pray about everything. There are some things that we just need to find people. Like we just need to leave. 
Like it's, and it's okay when things leave. I'm okay with $183,000 leaving because you know what that did? That enabled us to buy, to buy boots and to buy bikes and to, to help with food and to help you know, give a, a great program to men at the, the city mission. I'm like, it's okay, things, things leave. They have, to, they have to leave. They have to leave sometimes. He said, leave, and then what did he say? He said, search, somebody say search. I'm gonna search. So we're gonna be a church that, that's actively looking that joins in the search. And sometimes here's what you need to know in order to reach no one, reach people no one's reaching, you have to do things no one's doing. And so searching might look a little bit different. It's been said that um, we will do anything short of sin to reach people and to in turn see them reach their full potential in Christ and we will, we're just gonna join in in the search. He said, I'm gonna leave, I'm gonna search and when I find it, I'm gonna celebrate. I'm gonna celebrate. He says, I'm gonna party like nobody's business and if you know anything about this church, you know anything about us, like we love to party. And I think I missed this before, but I wanna make it clear to us. In this passage, one verse, he identifies as about, about leaving. One verse, he talks about the search, but he gives three verses for the party. One verse about leaving, one verse about the search, three verses about the celebration that ensues because what was lost was now found. The Bible says that when one sinner comes home, returns and repents, there is a party happening in heaven. And so here's what I need you to do, church. I need you to get on your feet, get on your feet because I know you're gonna to wanna to celebrate this. I know you're gonna to wanna to help me out. I've shared a few different numbers with you today, but I'm about to share the most important number. And that is since we have launched this church, man, just get ready to go crazy. Get ready to join in the celebration of heaven. Since we've launched this church, check it out. 5,023 people have said yes to following Jesus. Come on, can we celebrate that? Is that not amazing? Come on, is that not good? That's unbelievable, 5,023. And just so you know, that's not hands raised. That's cards. That's people we've been able to connect with. That's people who said yes to Jesus that we were able to say, here are your, your next steps in following Christ. That is unbelievable. We get to be a part of that. We're gonna keep it simple. We're gonna keep the main thing, the main thing. We're just gonna do all that we can to reach people who are lost. We're gonna have a correct view of people, love people right where they are. We're gonna have a correct view of the problem and we're gonna do everything we can to be a part of the solution. And can I tell you something, it's the church, the local church, Christ through his church, his bride is the hope of the world. And he said, he's gonna build it. And how many of you know the church is not the walls? And inside the walls, it's you, it's me, together doing everything that we can to make a dent, to redirect people who are on their way to hell to spend an eternity in heaven. God, thank you so much for a church that is running hard after your heart. Thank you, God, for the reminder 
of who you've called us to be and all the ways that you are using us. So God, I pray now that as we begin to worship you and celebrate being a part of the church that you are building, God, that you would once again impassion us, embolden us, and strengthen us, God, to do everything you've called us to do in building your church. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message on the Elevate Church podcast, and we hope you really enjoyed it. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. Welcome to the family. We would love to know about it, so please let us know by going to elevatechurch.com yes. There'll be some practical resources that will help you as you start this journey. If you want to support the mission and vision of Elevate Church to help people far from God reach their full potential in Christ, go to elevatechurch.com give. We'll see you soon. Have a great week.